Fresh Economic Thinking podcast, new ideas and analysis with Dr. Cameron Murray and Jonathan Gadir. Does financial independence and retiring early sound good to you? I'm Cameron Murray and today I have Matt from Aussie Firebug who's going to teach me about a movement called FIRE, Financial Independence Retire Early. Uh, I met Matt uh, a couple of years ago online and we talked about superannuation and I wanted to get him on the podcast to talk about this financial independence movement. Matt, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here, Cam. Thanks for having me. That's So I, I'm really curious, how does one get into the FIRE movement? Uh, how old were you? Was this a high school hobby? Was it something that started later? And, and, and what's its philosophy? Why is it different from just common sense budgeting? Yeah, so, you know, it's funny, Cam, because I've been talking about FIRE for, I mean, I've been writing about it and doing podcasts for over seven or eight years now, I think. And I've been consuming it for well over a decade. And back then, like 2013 is when I first come across it. No one knew what FIRE was, but I have a, I, I have a feeling now that if you're into personal finance, you've come across the term before. And the reason I feel as though it's like entered the mainstream of our uh, personal finance is because there is a show on Netflix about FIRE. <laughs> so I, oh. I, I feel like that's, yeah, that's when the movement has sort of made it if it's on netflix you know um it's it's entered pop culture um but essentially to to answer your question uh well i'll start off with with what fire is and a little Mm -hmm. bit of history behind it um i think i don't i don't know if there's definitively one person that come uh, created the term financial independence retire early but my historic uh context of it was probably mr money moustache who is a he's actually canadian but he he lives in the, the united states he is what i would consider to be the founder of the modern day fire movement some mm-hmm. people will trace it back to vicky robbins who re- wrote a very famous book called your money or your life in the 90s and that espoused a lot of the philosophies of fire which is essentially um it, it's more of a life philosophy you hit the nail on the head um in the intro then it is sort of nuts and bolts investing because it's uh-huh. essentially saying that uh, if you mix in common sense, personal finance, and you live a simple life and sort of the, the whole idea of the movement is to ultimately be happy and satisfied with your life. That's where, you, where you're trying to get to. And you can achieve that by mastering your money. It just so happens that mastering your money is very important to live a happy and fulfilling life. Um, but it's not only about money. It's you know living a simple life, being um, as efficient as you can. Sustainability um, plays a role. Even stoicism is in there as well. It means slightly slightly different things to different people. Um, but that's I, I would say that's my take on the whole movement. Um, and mm. I first come across it in 2013. Uh, I read a blog, Mr. Money Mustache's blog, and that really you know dived down the rabbit hole uh, of the whole movement. And there's a whole bunch of content creators, bloggers, podcasters, YouTubers, YouTubers out of the movement. Um, and I started my blog and podcast in 2015 because no one in Australia was writing about it back then. Um, and that's a little bit of history 101. Yeah, right. So I, that's super interesting because my um, upbringing is, it seems it, it's, there's some parallels. 
uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki came out when I was 15. And my dad was also very much into financial independence and investment and realizing that uh, most people go through life working and spending and ending up with nothing and having no Mm -hmm. freedom for themselves. So I had uh, biologically and culturally absorbed this idea by the time I'd finished school. My, my dad actually made all of us children buy a house when we were 19. Um, wow. was $30,000 and said, if you don't do this, you know, you, you, you're a fool. And, 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 you know, as a smart ass teenager, <laughs> it sounds a bit, bit much, but it was definitely the right thing to do. And it forced me to grow up and be responsible for money and responsible in general, Like I had to learn how to repair leaky taps and all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. instantly. So for me, it it was sort of second nature. And I assume, I I recommend, and I'll put a link in the show notes to Matt's latest podcast. Financial independence doesn't mean scrimp and save while you're young and then retire later. And when I was young, I had that idea. I just thought, oh, geez, when I have a million bucks, I'll retire when I'm 30 and I can live a hobo lifestyle for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, exactly. Your your philosophy is changing now. Uh, or, or maybe there's a more mature version than my 19-year-old version of, oh, this is great. I'm going to make <laughs> all this money in 10 years. And then once I've got a million bucks, I can live, you know, just as I did as a couch surfing teenager for the rest of my life. yeah so tell me about it's not a linear thing right this philosophy it's not work hard scrimp and save and then retire so tell me about Mm. your story there yeah yeah so definitely my philosophy and story has evolved throughout my journey I mean me and my wife have been on this journey since I first come across the movement over a decade ago so over 10 years and what drove me to find an alternative path in life because that's really what what fire is and mm-hmm. again i'll go back to mr money mustache is sort of the head figure of, of the movement mm-hmm. he is the first one really I, i'd come across other blogs before there's early retirement extreme which is written by jacob another american um, there's a few other blogs that i'd come across when i was you know 21 22 and they were interesting but they were a, a, a bunch of guys saving 90 percent of their um income which is crazy to to do that scrimping and sort of living a life that didn't really appeal to me so i thought i looked at the math and i was you know really into the, the analytics side of things i was like oh that's cool what's possible but i want to travel i want to do this i want to do that it doesn't really appeal to me mr money mustache was the first one that i seen that he was living an awesome life whilst also saving a decent amount like 60 to 70 percent of his income uh, but he was importantly he was living a great life and he really mixed in the philosophy of a fantastic life. A fantastic life doesn't actually cost that much money. And we've sort of been warped by the marketing machine that you need all these things until um, you get to be happy. You need the latest car. You need the latest iPhone. You know, every, everyone knows the marketing machine um, at play here. So he, when he wrote about it, it just really spoke to me. And that's why he's so popular. I think he really spoke to a lot of people to be like, no, there's actually a different way to live. And it's this, you know, smart, being smart with your money, being frugal, being to your point, Cam, being able to fix things yourself, not necessarily having to outsource everything in your life because you don't know how to do things, you know, like start using your hands 
um, build, maintain things, buy quality items that last a long time, not just the cheapest item that will you know break in a year, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So the way that it evolved for me is I was in a job straight out of uni. I didn't necessarily hate the job. In fact, there was aspects of the jobs job that I quite enjoyed. I liked the people that I work with, but it never inspired me. I never really felt satisfaction in the job. And when I finished uni, and I don't know if you'd be the same, Cam, you know, interested to hear your thoughts, but it sort of hit me like a ton of bricks. When I finished, you know, I was at uni for four years and you're, you go into class, you go into parties on Tuesday night, you're playing Call of Duty to three o'clock in the morning with all your mates on Friday. It's like the best time ever. And then you enter the workforce and suddenly it's 38 hours a week, but it's not really only 38 hours a week. I was commuting 50 minutes each way. So yeah. nearly two hours a day, de-stressing from work, getting ready for work. So in reality, it's like closer to 70 hours a week. And when you go from being a uni student, like a bum, couch surfer, um, as you said, Cam, yeah. to that 70 hours a week dedicated, like majority of your time is at work. That's not really inspiring you. I just, I, I, I couldn't get over the fact that people were doing this. I was looking around and, you know, people were, like, some of them were like decently happy, I guess, but it, nothing was inspiring me. And I just felt like an urgency, like I am not going to do this for 40 years there has to be an alternative way to live your life and that's yeah. where, where i went looking for answers and i actually read rich dad poor dad that was the first book that i ever read about personal finance and that sort of um the concept of financial independence is where i learned it there and then i come across the the fire crowd later which was like how do you utilize financial independence to live a better life because for me that there's a there's a separate um uh, you know, there's a separation between mm -hmm. the financial independence part and the retire early part. So financial independence for me is purely about mastering money and it's a means to an end. And I can speak a little bit about what that looks like for me at the moment, because I feel like I've reached that end now. Um, I don't particularly, I'm not interested in money content anymore as much as I would. I'll, more, I'll always be a money nerd and finance nerd, but I was consuming these, you know, pieces of content, podcasts, articles, YouTube videos, every single day in my early 20s because yeah. I was obsessed with it. It was like a goal laser focused on reaching financial independence. But now I've moved on to other things because we've reached a financial position, me and my wife. Um, you know, I, I can give numbers and I don't, <clears throat> I say these things not to brag, but just to give context for listeners. So um, last financial year, we got uh, around $43,000 in dividends that is not completely covering the costs of our living expenses, but it's over 75%. Mm. So I'm at a position now, my family, where I can really take the foot off the gas pedal and start to explore what does my life look like um, when I'm not working for money being the, the primary motivator and, and how do I create a lifestyle um, that I always dreamt about in my 20s so I've got the cash flow now to enable this. Mm -hmm. um, and how do, yeah, how do I create that lifestyle to, to live the most satisfied and happiest life possible? And actually, for people out there listening, it's, it's actually harder than you think. might sound like a dream to me in this position, and, and I am truly blessed to be in it. But it, it's, once you have that structure taken away from you that work provides for so many people, it's, there's actually a few more difficulties that, that come. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's pretty much my yeah. my story and philosophy in a nutshell started off absolutely obsessed about reaching financial independence and then throughout the journey and i can we can speak about this a little bit i fell recently this is a recent phenomenon 
I fell in love with work for the first time in my life a few years ago. And it sort of flipped my perspective a little bit on the whole movement. Um, and now I've got a family, which happened very recently, uh, nine weeks ago. My wife gave birth to our beautiful daughter and I've become a father. So thank mm. you very much. So it's a whole new journey now. Yeah. Anything anything you wanted to drill down on that? Yeah. Look, that that's quite, quite amazing. I, I think we have so many parallels in our lives. Um, there's a couple of things I want to pick up on there. First, uh, what I'm hearing is you you really got into the culture of fire. Uh, how important was that? Because, I, you know, what I'm trying to say is that to break free from the culture of work, spend, don't save, do you have to immerse yourself in another culture that deeply to... Uh, or, or is it something that anyone can just do? Oh, yeah, no, I feel like I should uh, save more and invest. And um, is it something you can casually break free from? Or do you think the fact that you were so into it gave you the confidence to act differently to everyone else? Because, you know, it's hard when people invite you to things, they expect you to spend on certain things. When you have a certain job, you're expected to have a certain car or live in a certain area. And do, do you think you needed that support of the culture and being so into it? Or could you have just done this, you know, casually uh, without being, you know, so entrenched in the fire movement? I would say that without the fire movement, I definitely wouldn't have got as far, or we, me and my wife wouldn't have got as far as we did in the time mm -hmm. frame. I think I'm a naturally frugal person and I have been blessed to find a wife that is relatively frugal, not, not on my level because I was just insane in my, in my twenties. And we like, I can tell you some stories, Cam, that were just crazy. Like they're just stupid on. levels. <laughs> I mean, okay, I'll give you one. And this is, they're so dumb because it doesn't move the, the needle. I tell people all the time. I'm like, if you want to save a lot of money, like House, housing and transport is your, is your yeah. big ticket items. Like go after your big ticket, your holidays, your food and you know drink. They're the big ticket items. What I would do, this is, I'll just do one story. I would top up my prepaid SIM card every two years for like $15 with my Telstra SIM. Now what that enabled me to do, this is crazy. People could call me and text me because this, the, the service was still like active, yeah. but I could just never call anyone or text anyone out and about. And used to drive my girlfriend crazy, but I didn't want to spend the money on credit. And yeah. and this is this is the like the levels of uh, craziness that my brain was in. And this is when I say I was laser focused. Like every spare dollar was going into this goal of reaching financial independence as soon as possible because mm -hmm. I wanted to be. I thought reaching the money goal was going to make me happy, but it yeah. doesn't really work like that. Um, so I was crazy, right? Would yeah. I have been that crazy without the fire movement? Probably not because I had what, what, what the, what the fire movement did for me was like, there is a, a very obtainable goal that you can reach Matt. Like you're in a position, you got a relatively good job out of uni, your expenses, your life expenses are super duper low. You yeah. I, like, I was living at home for a few years, you know, straight out of uni. So I could save so much money. I thought I have an opportunity here. I have a window to like, leapfrog my journey towards fin financial independence and the support and the network and the stories that I was reading every single day of people in the fire community, which was all US-based at that point, 
was inspiring me and pushing me forward. So that is definitely true. Now, having said that, I'm I'm naturally frugal and I was brought up similar to yourself. It's it sounds like I was naturally brought up to um the mantra that my father instilled in me was that smart people save and invest their money. So I have Mm -hmm. a lot Mm -hmm. that I owe both my parents, mom and dad, because there was that investment talk around the dinner table. Now that is something that I know a lot of people don't have. So I was fortunate to be in that position to get that information early on in life. My dad, in fact, he was sort of like, um, you know, uh, the castle, the movie, yeah. Where I think it's Daryl Kerrigan's yeah. like, tell, tell him he's dreaming. doesn't matter what the sun says, tell him yeah. he's dreaming, tell him he's dreaming. My dad used to do that to me, but it, it, in in um, like finance talk, whenever I bought something, it didn't matter how good of a deal I got. It, whenever I bought anything, I'd rock up to, you know, uh, home with a new pair of shoes, a new t-shirt. He, he would laser in on it. He'd be like, how much you pay for that? And then I'd say, <laughs> you know, whatever, 15, 20 bucks. And he'd always say the same thing, ripped off. Didn't matter how good of a deal I got ripped off. So I don't know if he was doing it deliberately, but it's funny, like thinking back now, I was almost like, I don't want to spend any money because dad's, dad's going to say I got ripped uh, off. That's awesome. But I think that a lot of people, and it's super hard. If you come into the movement and you're a natural spender, that's hard, man. That's really yeah. hard. And I just had a lot of things. Like I put my story online, I blog. I've been blogging about it for you know nearly 10 years. And where can we find don't, that? Uh, just Aussie Fire. If you Google Aussie Firebug, the website's aussiefirebug.com. Great. I'll put Don't, it in the show notes. I, I appreciate that. I, this is a good rule of thumb to live by in general. Like never compare yourself to other people because you just don't know their situation. So I was very fortunate with a lot of different things because I, I, I lived in rural Victoria, which there's not a whole lot to do. If I'm in the city, like I, me and my wife lived overseas in the UK for two years. Mm-hmm. Holy moly, did we spend a lot of money. We spent <laughs> unfathomable amounts of money and I was having a ball the whole time. But my, the point I'm getting at is it, it's a lot easier to save money when there is there are limited options. Yeah. Having said that, I did have to sacrifice some things and probably like there was a few overseas trips with the boys that I, that I didn't go on. Because I was like, no, like I've already, I've been on a trip before. I don't want to go on this, you know, I don't want to spend this money. Um, so it's not like you can, you can reach financial independence within a decade or 15 years and not have sacrifices. Like it's that, that famous quote, you can have anything, but not everything. So yeah. there was, I had to be selective with, you know, what we're spending money on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's a, it was a big motivation for me to create my website because there was really no one talking about this in Australia back in 2015. And I was finding it a bit disheartening that I I actually thought, I was like, is this even possible in Australia? Like different tax laws, different system. Like, can we actually yeah. do this fire thing that all these Yankees are doing overseas? So that was a big motivator for me. Um, and yeah. I, th- yeah, I think that you can do it without the community, but it, it, it does help a lot having people um, inspire you and spur you on. Yeah, great. So I want to pick up on two sorts of uh, threads here. Uh, One is that you're a parent now, and we've both shared sort of our uh, parents' philosophies and how we learned from that. So I want to check check in with you how when your child is in high school and getting their first job, so my eldest son has his first job now, 
and he you can see his mindset shift when he's earned the money all of a sudden you know he doesn't want to spend it which is great he can he's he's assessing is it worth spending money on when it's my money it's a free-for-all um what what you've said you you used to be super frugal but now you you know you had a great time in london when you were there and spent lots of money and don't regret it uh where's the balance that you're going to pass on to your children do you think is there sort of some optimizing you've done over your life where you think there's a sweet spot and that's what you want to pass on this is a good question and something i've been thinking about but i need to do a lot more thinking it's hard, right? So we like, have. It, it's I, I'm hard. in the same we, dilemma, literally right now. I have boys who like spending money, but at the same time, my eldest is very keen on making money as well. And there's also the idea, boy, you got to spend money to make money, right? He wants to start a business with his mates, buying collectible shoes. You know, the sneaker trend, right? He's into basketball and reselling them. And I just want to encourage awesome. him that you need to spend money to make money. But also, you know, two hundred and fifty dollars shoes is kind of a lot of money <laughs> if you end up having to be stuck with them. So I'm in that especially. Dilemma. So what, what's your initial thoughts? Have you started, for example, a savings account for your child or a trust or anything like that? Is that crossing your mind yet? Uh, yeah. So I've got a few thoughts on this. So first of all, we have a daughter, little Elena. The apple of my eye. She looks like me as well. Uh-huh. Daddy's girl, right? And yeah. <laughs> I think, man, I I melt when I look at her, Cam, and I feel like I'm going to spoil her. I know this is not the right <laughs> answer. Like, I, I know this is not the right answer. I just, I, there is something fundamentally different in in my brain, even though I don't have a son. I just feel like, their relationship with money. Look, I'm going to teach all my kids because we're, we're not stopping at one. We're going to have uh, mm-hmm. hopefully more. Uh, I'll hopefully teach them everything that I've learned that I think is important. I just, I, it's going to be hard for me not to, to spoil this kid. I can see it already. And I have, a, I, I just feel as though if I had a, a son instead of a daughter, the, the relationship w- would be slightly different. And, and that's, yeah. I don't know, that might sound crazy to some people, but. Um, no, it's it's true. I'll back you up there because yeah. I, I'm pretty good at being frugal and making the boys work for whatever they get. I have two sons. My wife mm. is very much into spoiling them. <laughs> and I know yeah. uh, families with daughters, the, you know, the daughter just has their dad wrapped around their little finger. And um, <laughs> so it's a trade-off. It's up to the mum then to be strict on the daughter a little bit. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that's totally, totally normal there. <laughs> what, what I will say, like what I hope, this is what I hope, right? Um, I will, ta- I will tell her, hopefully, I think spending money on yourself, and this is something that I wish, uh, I mean, this is just very important. Anyone out there listening, especially if you're chasing fire, investing in yourself is the best investment you can make. Mm. it's not ETFs, it's not property, gold, whatever you're doing. Invest in yourself will pay off multiples. So what I'm, what do I mean by that? Upskilling, education, a big one that I didn't f- figure out till later in life. Honestly, for me, everyone's experience is different, but for me, it was life-changing. 
living overseas, mm. working with different cultures, working with different people. I cannot tell you, and like people out there listening, how much more attractive of a candidate I am now from an, an employment point of view, now that I've got international experience and I've worked in my field overseas with multinationals, everything like that. Like it's not traveling. Uh, well, you, so you can waste money traveling as well. So it's sort of like you have to be careful of what you say. But yeah. like for me personally, investing in yourself is like you just, you should never spare on investing in yourself. Now you want to be smart with it. You want to build up that cushion so you can then live the life that you want to live. And this comes back to the whole fire philosophy. And I love the story, Cam, you said about your, um, your son, you know, when he, when he earns the money, suddenly it's different because that's exactly what happened yeah. to me. And it's funny because that's in the shoes. I had a similar story in the shoes. When we'd go to um, the skate shop or like the, the snow, the surf shop, yeah. there was three distinct areas of shoes. It was like the pov shoes, the, the middle, <laughs> and then the high end shoes. My dad would only ever shop from the middle to the pov area. That's I would only get the the cheapo, slightly less cheapo. I, the the globes, the the skate brand, like the, mm. the brand new globes. I always wanted them. And when I got my first job at Hungry Jacks, I remember thinking, "Man, I'm going to be earning like 150 dollars a week. That's a new pair of globes every week. I'm go like I'm going to have the best shoes ever." I mean, as soon as you get the money, because you have given up your time, energy, life, life effort. Yeah. suddenly the, the <laughs> transaction is different. It's like, oh, that's not $150 anymore. That's, you know, however many hours um, cooking burgers. Yeah. You know, so it, it, that, that's that's the difference. Um, but yeah, yeah. Back to, back to your original question, like I, I'll teach all my kids what I know just about uh, saving, investing, everything like that. But I, I, I want to really drill into them, investing in yourself, get out there, worldly experiences because i didn't i did that when i was in my late 20s i just got over overseas at 29 and i think like if you can study abroad man it, it opens up all sorts of pathways yeah terrific uh, i i i think i'm the same uh like my obviously neighborhood kids and my son's friends at a similar age we often have conversations now that he's going into year 11 and 12 you know what do you want to do when you grow up and what should you do after school and and I've also encouraged them you've got to go see the world it's actually not expensive when you're young compared to yeah what you're co especially compared to what you're costing your parents right now <laughs> they could just give you some money to get out of the house and you would be frugal and you would have a good time you'd meet people and you'd expand your view I I went to Canada when I was 19 for a year and worked in the ski fields and all that and um, totally expanded my mind about what is even out there in the world. Like how do you pick careers or navigate when all you've experienced is school and your local area, right? You know that there's a dentist yeah. and a doctor and a teacher and a couple of people, but you don't know about the world. So I totally am with you and, and I'm going to share that with my kids. I want to... Um, Two, two things before we wrap up. One, I just want some practical advice. When my when I see people borrow money to buy cars, I can feel it in my, my, my blood that this is a terrible idea to buy a depreciating asset with, with debt. Um, and so I bought my most expensive car at age 37, spent 17000 and really felt like this was a big cost right 
even though our household income was great. Um, you know, if there's sort of three places to save money without affecting your lifestyle, where would they be? What's from your experience? Housing, transport, and... Well, let's just stick with... I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say holidays. Oh, okay. And so housing, what's the secret? I mean, saving? okay, so housing. Uh, we could have a whole podcast on this. And actually, definitely, because, you know, you're, you've written many <laughs> okay, uh, let's pieces of literature on housing. But I, I, I think, and this is the beauty of expanding, uh, broadening your horizons by traveling. Aussie homes, as you, you, you're, I'm preaching the choir here because you, you're, you're going to know mm. this more than me, Cam. It's crazy how young uh, people all my mates bought like four bedroom homes on a thousand meter square blocks when they were like 22, 23, because they were tradies. I just finished. They'd like loaded up with all this debt because everyone was doing it. It's like the mm-hmm. new development in town. Oh yeah. Luke's got a block here. Ben's got a block here. Like everyone. Yeah. I, I was close to doing the same thing, but if you, if you're loading up on so much debt, maybe even best case scenario, it does pay off because it appreciates. So you do earn money, you know, in 10 mm. years, whatever. But you are severely restricting your ability to be agile within some of the most precious years of your life. So all your 20s, you're basically saying, I'm going to work my 40 hours minimum. I'm going to do overtime. I'm going to you know, do everything just so I can live in this big house in my town. I would say for people, if you want to save money, especially with housing, live within your means, be flexible, be nimble. For us, that looked like a two-bedroom unit in my hometown that was costing $200 a week. Mm. Super cheap. Now, I I can hear people from Sydney and Melbourne screaming (laughs) at me already like that doesn't exist. I get it. It's Things got to be more expensive in the cities. You know, It's sort of unavoidable. But just live within your means, housing, and don't do what everyone else is doing. Transport? What about like share housing and things like that? Because I know oh, I was, course, we were share yeah, housing yeah. even until um, our first child was born. And, and a little after that, we had, were sharing with another friend who yeah. uh, was a, um, separated. And so there, his uh, son would come over. So, yeah, we were very frugal on that front. It's kind of funny how yeah. how our expectations have grown on housing in some respects. Yeah, I think it's like it's a good word. Expectations of what you should be buying and how, like how grand it should be. I, I come from rural Victoria, and I just know that my mates, the the houses are just mansions. Like especially worldwide standard, it's people don't understand mm. if they've never left Australia, they do not understand how amazing this house is. And what kills me is they're probably u- use, utilizing or using fifteen percent of the house, the kitchen the ensuite, their room, three bedrooms are just vacant for like nine mm. years. You know, they might have a few friends stay over. Like that's, it's just such a waste of space and you're paying a premium in your precious years in your twenties when you could be doing other things. So yeah, absolutely agree with you though. Share housing. That's another one that like your friends might look down upon you, you know, oh, you're, you're, you're a lawyer in the city. You should be, you know, living in this fancy flat or fancy townhouse. Mm. It's like, no, I'm trying to save money. I'm doing what I can. Um, fantastic option. Just, just being like, solving that problem and there's plenty there's a million different ways you can do it um transport Mm. secondhand cars 
that are reliable, nothing wrong with them. Don't get sucked into the status game. Do not get sucked into, I need to be driving a BMW because uh, I want to give off this image. It's easy for me to say that because I met my wife quite early and I was never built that way. But I uh-huh. know some people, it's their identity. It's like if they come across the fire movement, it's like, but I'm the BMW guy. Like uh-huh. I'm the Mercedes man. Like that's that's me. I am that brand. So that would be a lot harder to do. Um, but yeah, secondhand cars, um, safety is obviously important. But yeah, it, like you pay such a premium for the brand and the look and uh, how new it is, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, jump on a bike as well. If you live in the city, do you even need a car? Like, my God, I, when I was in London, just biked around everywhere. It was the best way to get around the city. It was the quickest. Anything over like 5Ks, okay, get the tube or whatever. But I could bike anywhere in the city under 5Ks quicker than anyone. It doesn't yeah. matter, Uber, anything. I, I was getting there quicker. So get your fitter, um, saves money. It's like a triple threat. And that's, that is like biking is such a almost tenant of the fire movement because it hits on everything. It's the frugal option. It's the healthier option. It's the sustainable option. It's like, it's win, win, win across the board, right? Yeah. Um, what was my no, first I, one? Holiday. I often, sorry, I often ride my that's bike thinking, how expensive is the bus when I could just ride for free? <laughs> like that's, and it's you know, fun. sometimes that's the mindset. Yeah, no, it is fun. You notice it, it what's makes, going on in the street. Dude, it's on a good day, a sunny day. It's a happiness machine. Like I, it's... Yeah. I could, I've been, yeah, cycling for over a decade and it is, I wish there was more bike lanes in my town that I lived in, put it that way, because I have been hit before. Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) there's still a risk. I think Australia is improving there. Just, I mean, London had a huge improvements with their bike lanes and I've heard Paris in the last decade the same. So I think like most things, Australia is 20 years behind. So we just Mm. need to be patient. I was going to say that would be uh, something... I tell anyone in London, Boris Johnson, believe it or not, 2017, I That's believe right. he built this when he was the mayor, the super highways in London for the bikes. Incredible. If you live in zone one or two, the super highways straight into the city. Oh, it was, it was a dream every morning. It was like the best part of my day almost, unless it was raining so much fun on the super highways in London. Yeah, I, I think the same philosophy could easily be adopted in Australia. And I know there's groups pushing for that in Easy. our cities. So, um, yeah. and, and, you know, isn't that a great way for for councils to help people on their financial independence path by giving them these a- cheap absolutely. options? Absolutely. Take away that status symbol of the car, save on the bus fare. Yep. Quick, quicker. Yeah. It's healthier. It's like the, the, the populace is in better shape like it's just so many wins like the bike is i could not say uh given enough high praise you know to for for councils and cities to start building better bike networks because it would just pay dividends terrific well i, I didn't read about cycling in rich dad poor dad 25 years ago but it sounds like uh you know uh, both of us have have come to similar conclusions matt we might wrap up there i really appreciate your time uh, can you just remind our listeners where they can find you? Because you do a podcast yourself and write a lot about the fire movement. Yeah, so just Google Aussie Firebug. You'll find me on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. The website is aussiefirebug.com. I also have a pretty um, active Facebook group as well, the Aussie uh, the fire, Australian Fire Discussion Group. 
Um, so yeah, come check me out. Come say hello. Um, and yeah. Terrific. Thanks for coming on, Matt. Uh, pleasure. Thanks for having me, Cam.